Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. Who I, I, you have no idea how I have been so blessed these last few days, and it's just been absolutely amazing. And I was just praying and telling my wife, I just hope I don't mess this up too bad because I want to come back. <laughs> I just, I just want to be around these people. You guys are, you, you are so gracious to us walking in, everybody smiling, everyone greeting. Oh, just what a wonderful place. But uh, let's, let's get to the word of the Lord. And just to give you a little history uh, with me, I was not raised in the church. My wife and I, we, we came to the Lord in our mid-twenties. I, I, was, I, was, I did not know the things of the Lord. And I, um, I was a skeptic. I was actually an agnost- a professing agnostic. And I used to look for Christians to debate. And I would challenge them on their faith. And I realized when I came to the Lord that I was really a spiritual Saul of Tarsus. I was destroying Christians. I remember them. They didn't, they didn't, a lot of them couldn't explain what they believed and why. And me with my secular reasoning and thinking that I would just obliterate these people in a debate. And uh, because of that, because of that, when I came to the Lord, I, when, I, when I read in John chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the word is with God, and the word was God. And in verse 14, the word became flesh. I'm like, then this is Jesus. And I want to know Jesus, and I got to need to know this. And so I put it to myself to always understand where things were. So when someone would say to me, well, it's in the Bible. I was that guy, well, where in the Bible is that? And so what's going to happen here today is you may hear a lot of scriptures from me. Please, I am no theologian. And it's not because I'm trying to be theological. It's because for those non-believers... I want them to be able to go and find it and see it and read it for themselves. Because if you don't know the Bible, you say, well, it's in the Bible. Well, those 66 books could take a while to get through, right? And so tonight, if you hear a lot of scriptures, please understand, that's where I'm coming from. That's where the Lord, how the Lord had, had convicted me. And when I remember leaving those Christians sometimes, sometimes I, and this is, this is a burden I carry to this day, that I... I know I had shipwrecked some Christians. I caused them to walk away with shame because they couldn't defend their faith. They didn't understand that. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. That haunts me. And that stays with me. And so I want to always try to equip people with the word because it's truth. It's a double-edged sword, right? It's a weapon of our warfare. And so I, I, will, I will share a lot of scripture with you. Um, and, and as I, and I, I was telling... Pastor, uh, Pastor Russell is, I, I, I can't even say his name without coming to tears. He's so precious. Um, but I said, you know, I'm not really a preacher. I don't preach. I just facilitate God's word. I just give you God's word and I let his Holy Spirit do with you as he will. Because I have this expression that God says it better than I can. So if you came here to hear Roger Obregón speak, all right, <laughs> Now, understand this, all right, and I don't mean to offend anybody, okay? That's a, that's a Spanish surname. It's, my family's from Mexico. But as I tell people, I'm the worst Mexican you're ever going to meet. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. I don't eat jalapenos. And I have car insurance. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. They took my car, they kicked me out of the club. 
I didn't get any special credits applying to college. You know, it was terrible. All right, now let's get to the word of the Lord. That'll probably be the last time you laugh this evening. Malachi, Malachi. Now you're thinking, okay, we got a guest speaker, Malachi, all tithes and offering. Ah. No, Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1, verse number 6. Let us pray before the reading of the word. Father, we love you. We are so grateful for you, my God. Thank you, Lord, for loving me and loving us and allowing us to be in your presence. God Almighty, that we may have audience with you, my Lord. What an honor and a privilege that is. Father, I pray this evening that for those watching online, those here, my Lord, that we would be blessed with what you have for us. That you would open our ears to hear and soften our hearts to receive the words you have for us. To you, my God, be all the glory. We thank you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. On to today's word, Malachi chapter 1, starting in verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master, referring honors his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? To you, priest, who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offered defiled food on my altar, the Lord is saying. You brought, basically saying, you brought an, in, an unclean offering to me, he says. In what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, see, because in Leviticus 22, in verse 21, it spoke about an unblemished sacrifice, a whole sacrifice, a pure sacrifice. That's what we're supposed to bring to the Lord. No defect. He says, when you bring this blind, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Offer it then to your governor. See that? Now, if you're taking food over to the Manning's house, you're going to Peyton Manning's, you're taking your best dish, aren't you? Right? So, so but, but if you've got something that's not so good, are you going to offer your best to someone you esteem and respect? How much more for God Almighty should we offer our best? We offer our best to him. Right? So, would, you, would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably if you brought an impure sacrifice? Says the Lord of hosts. But now entreat God's favor. I don't know what translations you use here regularly, but entreat is basically to earnestly ask. Almost to plead. Would you entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands? Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles." In every place, incense shall be offered in my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it, in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled, and its fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring the stolen, you bring the lame, you bring the sick, 
Thus you bring an offering. He's saying that your offering is stolen. It's lame. It's sick. This is what they're bringing. He's rebuking them. But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male, and he takes a vow, but sacrifice to the Lord what is blemished. For I am the great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Tonight's message is compromising the communion table. Compromising the communion table. Verse number 10 in that opening verse says, I have no pleasure in you. Verse 13, you bring the stolen, the lame. Should I accept this, he asked. See, what's happening here, many of you know Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. It's written about 400 B.C. And he's referring to uh, the edicts, the commands, the direction of proper sacrifice. As laid out in the book of Leviticus and Numbers and and, uh, Deuteronomy. And that's about 1400 B.C. So there's been a thousand years of gradual erosion and compromise to God's sacrifice. This is, and, and, and we gotta remember, this is important because in Matthew chapter five, Jesus tells us in, in verse 21, says, I did not come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill the law. Jesus was a pure sacrifice. He was fulfilling the law of the sacrifice. And if you ever study, especially Leviticus 16, and really look into that, you can see why he was was satisfying both goats. The scapegoat whose blood was shed, and the other goat who they laid their hands upon, and they led that goat out of the city, out 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 of the encampment to die. He took the sins out of the encampment. Jesus carried the cross where? out of the city, out to Calvary. You see, and he fulfilled both, all in one person. He's God. He can do that. And so, so, there's a fulf- so, so Jesus, when he says that, I didn't come to abolish it. I've come to fulfill it. And so we have a responsibility. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, right, it reads, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, for this is your true act of worship or your spiritual act of worship, depending on the translation you have, that our bodies are living sacrifices. We should be living holy and acceptable. That is our sacrifice to God. And, and, and so I, I want you to kind of let that verse kind of resonate with you throughout this message today. But we have compromised. We have compromised the things of God. We compromise in our walk and the way we live. I have been... Uh, involved with sports all my life and uh, I've done a lot of coaching. I, I've worked in municipal parks and recreation as a, as a, as a college student and, and, and coordinating youth and adult sport leagues. I later on became a president of a, of a homeschool sports program and, and offering competitive sports for homeschoolers from, from 10, ages 10 through 18. I coached high school level track, high school level basketball and I'm uh, just very, very involved in sports. And we've had several of our kids play high school level basketball, several high school level track, and did middle school track and high school, all that. Well, when our, our second son, and I, I'm going to give him a little plug here, we call him like and subscribe. Okay. His name is Josiah, and he, on the back of his car, he even had at Josiah Obergon, like and subscribe. 
got a YouTube channel. He was hoping he'd make millions of dollars someday. And, and, uh, but so he, everything was always like and subscribe. So, so Josiah is the very charismatic, flamboyant one. And uh, one day, they're in the, uh, he and his buddy are in the driveway. And he's, he's about 15 years old at this point, And he's really developed into a basketball player. Very flashy, fits his personality. Um, and, and so he comes outside. And I could hear the guys out there, ooh, ah, you know, they go, ooh, you know, they're doing all that stuff. Right? And so he comes out and say, okay, Bobby, Bobby, come, come watch us dunk. Come watch. So I go outside, and they go out there, and, you know, they're doing, you know, 180s and, and trying to get 360s, and they're thinking they're doing Jordan, you know, and, and they're doing all that stuff, and they're dunking, and I'm just sitting there. Oh, eight feet, yeah, sure. Ten feet. Now dunk the ball. Oh, well, we, we, well, well, we, we can't. I go, you've compromised the dunk. That's not a dunk. Dunking at eight feet's not a dunk. Any ballers here? Any ballers in the house? That's not a dunk. If you got one, you got one toe on a three-point line, it's not a three. Ask Reggie Miller. You gotta get that foot, that toe behind the line. Then it's a three. He was compromising. That's not a dunk. You're not dunking. And this is what was happening with their sacrifices. They had compromised the sacrifice. Instead of bringing the ten foot, they lowered the standard. And this is not what the Lord asked us to do. He's asked us to be holy and acceptable, pleasing unto the Lord. Again, in verse number 10, I have no pleasure in you because they've compromised. They've lowered the standard. He calls for obedience from us, Deuteronomy 29.9. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Wouldn't you want to prosper? Then do it the way God calls you to do it. Trust me. I was not raised in the church. I live the ways of the world. I went to nightclubs and I did things and I consumed things I wasn't supposed to consume. And I'll tell you, it never satisfies. It never, never satisfies. It does, it does not. I've been there. I've done it. I'm not, I'm not, I was telling uh, Pastor Russell that, that, you know, I, people say, well, you don't talk like a preacher. You're not like a preacher. Because I don't know what a preacher talks like. I wasn't raised around that. All I know is what I read here and what I lived and experienced. And I know, and I did it the world's way, and it does not work. It does not go where you think it's going to go. This is why the Lord says wide is the road that leads to destruction. A lot of you don't make a big road for no traffic. Right? I, 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 I know it, it sounds like, well, boy, Roger, you're, you're kind of a, you're, you're an elitist. You're, 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 you're eliminating people. You're not allowing people in. No, I'm just reading the word of God. It reads wide as the road. But narrow is the gate. Narrow is the way. And few enter in. So why is few? Because most people are compromising what they think. They think because maybe their grandmother served the Lord. And therefore, well, you know, you know, uh, grandma, she, she was a Baptist, and, and she prayed for me. She took me to Sunday school when I was little. That's not your profession of faith. Yeah. 
That's not you walking in the ways of the Lord. Right? And so he calls us to walk. Jesus, again, fulfilled the sacrifice. He did not die 50% on the cross. For you Princess Bride fans, he wasn't mostly dead. Anybody see Princess Bride? Eh, he's just mostly dead. Not mostly dead. He was all the way dead, 100% dead. He died 100%. He gave his all. He gave 100. He gave 100. This is what he gave. This is what was required. This is what was required for the sacrifice. And the word sacrifice, the Hebrew word is zabak, which means to slaughter. Jesus was slaughtered for us. Mel Gibson ruined passion plays and things for churches. Because when you saw what a crucifixion actually looks like, it's kind of anticlimactic to try to present it other than the way Mel Gibson did. But when you think about it, just if you think about the lashing of the cat of nine tails 39 times, that's in a sense really 351 lashes. If you do the math, 39 times nine. I have a calculator on my phone. I'm not that smart. Daddy told me I was sharp as a marble. Because I didn't speak Spanish. Jesus was brutally slaughtered for us. But yet, we expect blessings when we're not willing to submit to him and give to him. We, 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 I read from Deuteronomy 29, his covenant is blessings for us. But we don't want to stay under the covering. We, don't, we, we, we break covenant when we sin. Isaiah 59 verse 2 reads that your sin, your iniquities, have separated you from God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin are death. Sin breaks covenant. Sin separates from God. When we sin, we break covenant. When we sin, we crucify him again. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6. says, if they fall away, they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, and they put him to open shame. That's why I brought up the whole image of the Mel Gibson movie, uh, Passion of Christ. To think about when you sin again, you put him back on that cross again. But this is what he does for us. But that's what we're doing to him. Proverbs 26, verse 11 speaks about as a, as a fool repeats his folly, or as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. And this is what we often do. We're like that dog returning to the vomit. We repeat our folly. Oh, Lord, I'll never do that again. Jesus, please help me. I won't do it again. And the next day you do it again. And we keep putting them back up on the cross. Man, Pastor Russell, I thought you were going to bring in a guy to have some fun with us and get us hooting and hollering. And... But understand this. Right, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one brother may sharpen another. And sometimes when you, you, you rub iron against iron, there's friction and there's sparks when that happens. It's not always a comfortable experience. 
And, and so, so please, I, I receive this with the heart in which it's intended. That we don't compromise the communion table. Because communion is about fellowship. The word is konania. And I want to be in fellowship with you. I do. And I, I hope you don't want to be in fellowship with me even after hearing this. Know that my wife is the better half. So if you have a problem with me, trust me, she is much lovelier than me. But I want us to understand what Jesus says. He says, and I talk about because when we sin, we crucify him again. We put him back on there. And he tells us in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. In addition to saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. At the Last Supper in Luke 22, Jesus tells him, as he's breaking the bread, he says, do this in remembrance of me. These are two significant requests I hear of the Lord. Keep his commandments and remember him. If you remember him, it's a lot easier to keep his commandments. If you're walking with him, you're serving him. And, and, and this, is the, this is at the Last Supper. He, he knows he's leaving soon. And usually, for example, if I know that my days are short, my days are numbered, and I'm on my deathbed someday, and my kids are gathered around the bed, I'm not going to say to them, hey, um, make sure you get that soda can out of the freezer. I, I don't think something like that as trivial is going to be my last words. I think it's going to be something meaningful. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And honor your mother when I'm gone. Something meaningful. Not, you know, just something casual. And so I'm thinking when I hear this at the Last Supper, he says, remember me. He knows he's leaving. He knows his fate. And he asks him this. So I think that's an important thing that he's asking him. Do this in remembrance of me. And so let's talk about this communion table a little bit. Let's talk about it. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to do some reading here again. Just five verses. Starting in verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. We all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. This is where the message starts to make its point. Verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. There's two tables. There's two choices. There's the Lord's table and there's the demon's table. But you, I don't know, you are not omnipresent. I am not omnipresent. I told you we have six kids. We had sports, church activities, 
you know, schooling, all these things going on. I'm coaching. I'm, I'm president of a program. I'm a, an associate pastor at a church. Got all these things going on. If anybody could figure out how to be in two places at one time, it's this guy right here. Trust me. I would have found a way. But I cannot be at the demon's table and at the Lord's table at the same time. I'm at either one or the other. I cannot be at both. You have choice. There is only, there is only two choices. There is, only, there is only God and there is evil. That is it. There's no, there's no in between. There's no middle ground. I, I, I was raised a, a CEO. That, that, that's, a, that's a Christmas and Easter only Catholic. Okay? And, 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 and so, so there, the only time I was at church was Christmas and Easter. And, and they believe in this place called Purgatory. This kind of go-between place. I don't know if you ever heard of it or not. But they believe you can, if you pray long enough and you, and you give enough so- offerings and sacrifices that you can work your way out of purgatory and get into heaven. I said, no, there's not. There is, there is only two places. There's only two options. There's only two options. There's only two options. You're either with God, you're at his table, or you're at the demon's table. That is it. There is nothing else for you. The Lord wants you. He desires you. He loves you. Deuteronomy 29, 19, I have set before you this day life and death, blessings and curses, that both you and your descendants, that both you and your descendants would would live. Blessings and curses. What are you going to choose? Which do you want? I want the blessings. I want blessings. I don't want curses. And so if I want blessings, I am going to obey his commandments. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to sit at his table. I'm not going to sit at the table of demons. Like I said, I can't be at both. You cannot, you cannot partake of the devil's table and expect to receive a blessing. You cannot come in here on Wednesday night with a smiling face and go out Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and live like the devil. You cannot. Well, you can. But you must leave the Lord's table to do that. That's the only way you can do that. 2 Corinthians 6.14, what communion, the title of today's message, not compromising the communion table, what communion does light have with darkness? What communion does it have? They, They cannot coexist. You know what darkness is? You know, darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is nothing. It can't exist. It's the absence of light. That's what darkness is. When there's no light, that's when darkness exists and prevails. When you leave the Lord's table, you leave the light. And you find yourself in darkness. Again, we're talking about communion here. Come with me, please, to John chapter 6, verse 53. Remember, God says it better than I can. Then Jesus said to them, John chapter 6, verse 53. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, 
I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. You are what you eat. If you eat Christ, if you digest, if you consume Christ, that's who you have in you. But if you digest the demon's table, then you have demons in you. I know we don't like talking about demons are ugly, messy. We don't want to talk about that. How about, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. Give me that, preacher man. I'm not a preacher. I will present to you the word of God. And there's two tables. It's the Lord's table and there's the demon's table. This is what's before us. And you have a choice to make. You said you are what you eat. You cannot, and, and this is important to understand. This is why you need Jesus. This is why you need a Savior. And before I, I came into vocational ministry full time, I, I worked in business and I, I had bottom line responsibilities in the business. Uh, that means I, after all the revenue and all the operational expenses, marketing expenses, all the expenses, I was responsible for a bottom line profit. And we used to have this expression. You can't save your way to the bottom line. You can, you can implement every cost-saving measure, every productivity analysis, every re-engineering of industrial practices. You put all these things in place, and you can be the most efficient operation. But if you have no customers bringing in revenue, you're still bankrupt because you're paying for all those operations, all those employees, all that. You're bankrupt. You cannot save your way to the bottom line. And I said, because... You are what you eat. If you're not taking in the revenue, if you're not bringing in the revenue into the business, there's nothing to grow. And with, and with Christ, people oftentimes say this. John chapter 3, verse 30. Have you heard, oh, I must decrease and he must increase? Anybody ever hear that? Well, I, and this, I don't mean to stumble you up and you know, give you like, aha, I got you. But, but a lot of people say it that way, and that is incorrect. If you read the scripture, it reads that he must increase and I decrease. See, when you say, I must decrease and he increase, you are, that means you're saying on your own accord, your own ability, you're trying to drive sin out of you. And you cannot do that. But when you read the scripture the way it was written, and I am convinced that's the way it was intended, is that as he increases, I decrease. Do you get that? Sin will decrease in me. Because if you try to do it the other way, if you try to clean your house of your sin on your own, what happens? You have an empty vessel. You have an empty house, right? And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, I think at 43 through 45, your house is empty. It goes away and it reads, I come back to my house and I find it all in order and I bring seven friends with me. Party! This is why when Christ increases in you, there is no room for that evil spirit to come back. There is no room for the demon in you. You are full of Christ. And you don't have, you don't have to worry about fighting anything off. This is why, this is the beauty of grace, Ephesians 6, I mean Ephesians 2, 8, right? It, it's by grace we are saved so that no man may boast. Not by anything you and I can do, but it's what Christ does in us. All we got to do is submit ourselves to him. Submit ourselves to him. Be in fellowship with him. Walk with him. 
back to the Lord's table. And, and back in, in Luke 22 and 15 at the, at the Last Supper, he said to them, I have earnestly desired to share this Passover supper with you before I die. He's telling them, I'm going to die. But I have desired to come and fellowship with you. Because he understood. He knew he was leaving. He wanted them to understand he loved them and he was breaking bread with them. Saying, eat of this. This is, this is my body. I want you to be nourished by me. But God is so gracious to us that even if we're not listening, even if we don't get it, he still comes to us. Many of you may know Psalm 23 and verse 5, and it reads that David writes, he prepares a table before my enemies. How you could be, uh, here's what I, when I read that, and after reading 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm here at the demon's table, and the Lord comes and prepares a table right here. I'm right here, son. I'm right here, daughter. I'm right, here's a table. This is the Lord. I'm right here. I prepare a table before your enemies. That's your enemy right there. I am your God. I am your Savior. Come here. He, he says, that's what he does. I prepare it before you. Think about how much he loves us, that he does that for us. When, when David had sinned against Uriah, that was Bathsheba's first husband, right? Did anybody ever find it strange that David sees Bathsheba taking a bath? I, I just always, anyways, that's not part of the message, but I always, whenever I say Bathsheba, and I'm like, she was taking a bath. I was like, ah. Anyways, so he takes out, he takes out Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, right? Remember, takes him out. Conceives a child out of wedlock. He's in sin. And what does our gracious God do? He sends Nathan the prophet. What would you do, he says to him, what would you do if a wealthy man was going to have a guest and you went and you took the poor man's lamb, who it was like a family pet, and you took that man's lamb and you took it and, and took it from them to give it as a, as a meal for your guest. David says, surely that man should die. And Nathan says, thou art that man. But you see what the Lord, the Lord sent him out of love for him. Sent him to him to say, listen, you're sinning. You're out of line. You're out of place. You got to get right. This is why when, when David writes that keep me as the apple of your eye. Keep me. That means he was the apple of God's eye. He didn't say, bring me back. He says, keep me. God loved him. Even in his sin, Romans 5, 8, while yet we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we're still in our sin, when we're at the demon's table, he comes in Psalm 23 and he prepares a table before us because he loves us. This is who he is. This is what he does. He comes to us. Wherever the Lord is, that's where the Lord's table is. Because in heaven we know there's a table. Matthew 19, and verses, I mean, sorry, Revelation 19. It speaks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Lord sets a big old table, beautiful table there. It's a feast. He wants to break bread with us. He wants us to, to, to be in fellowship, to be in communion with him. I have a slide here of the Last Supper, if uh, we can show that. And there's, there's, there's Jesus and the disciples sitting with him. 
Now, if you can look at the, I should have another slide. Is there another slide that has numbers? Now look at that slide. There's 11 disciples there. Judas had to leave the Lord's table. Jesus says, go do what you must do. Judas could not betray the Lord there at the Lord's table. He had to leave and go to the demon's table. And this is what we do when we leave the Lord's table. If you stay at the Lord's table, you will not sin. If you consume yourself around the things of God, you will not sin. If you stay around the people of God, the things of God, the activities of God, you have no time to open up doors to other things. And so stay with the Lord. Sit with him. Because like I said, there's only two tables. There's only two tables. Even if you say, well, well, Roger, what about the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3.16? They were lukewarm. Yeah, well, you know what he did to them? He spit them out of his mouth. Back in the, in the New King James, it reads he vomits them out of the mouth. So you're not in, you're out. You're not, you, can't, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. You're either in or you're out. There is no in-between. You, you, he spits you out. So even if you think you're lukewarm, you're not in, you're out. And this is, this is the choice we have. Every day and everything we do, every circumstance we face, that's what we have. You can go on living your life of compromise, lowering the standard, thinking you're dunking. <laughs> thinking your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you could put on a pretty smile at the door. Oh, Roger, come on now. I'm helping out in Sunday school and in the children's ministry. But the other six days of the week, you're living for the devil. Come in here and put on a happy face. Judas was at that table. Judas hung out with Jesus. Judas hung out with the believers. That can happen in our midst. It could be happening. Are you wearing a mask? Are you hiding behind something? I'm going to ask you, would everyone please stand in the house of the Lord? Just as Jesus had said, I desire to have this Passover meal with you. I desire to break bread with you, to have fellowship with you. Because I don't know if I'll see you again. I don't know if I'll come back. Forever in my heart will be your pastors. Even if they were to never ask me back again, they will forever be in my heart. He has, he, has, he has no idea how he and his wife have blessed me and my wife and touched my spirit. And I will always have you in my prayers. I will. I am in love with Bethel Family Worship Center. You are beautiful. But I, I want to remember this whole message started about compromising the communion table. They brought an unclean sacrifice. First Corinthians 11, verse 27, says, whoever eats of this bread is in an unworthy manner of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28, examine yourselves. He who eats or drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment. 
So I'm going to ask you, and uh, do we have musicians? Oh, great, thank you. I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to examine yourselves. I'm going to take this moment, just absolute silence, and examine. Ask, is there something that you're keeping from the Lord, keeping from yourself, keeping from your brothers and sisters in here? We're not asking you to make a public profession. As David says, against you and you only, Lord, have I sinned. Take this time of self-examination. Consider your life. Examine yourself. awkward to sit in silence. I know it can be uncomfortable. It wasn't comfortable for Jesus to be on that cross. It wasn't comfortable for him to carry it out there. But we are asked to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto him. And before we go any further, in Matthew 5, 24, Jesus is speaking about if your brother has ought against you. Set down your gift, your offering, and go and make it right. So I'm going to ask you to do something. This is very unusual, and we don't need to know what it is. We're going to get back to this. But if you have any unforgiveness, I'm going to ask you to put down your communion cup. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar and just petition the Lord and ask Him one, to forgive you if you need forgiveness for something or if you have not forgiven somebody. Come and lay it down at the altar. So we can activate the self-examination so we could release ourselves of anything that we're carrying. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. others, 
the Father will forgive you. He's saying if you don't forgive others, he's not going to forgive you. Don't let this moment pass. Do not compromise the communion table. his table. He gave everything. If any man will come after him, he must deny himself, 
take up the cross daily. It's not just one time. Every day, every day we have a choice to make. Every day to live for Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Receive these requests. Receive their confessions. For unless we confess, it means if we confess, he is faithful to heal us, faithful to save us. If we confess, there's power in confession. There's deliverance in confession. We're set free. Hallelujah. I know this is different. I've never even done this before. This is the first time I've ever done this. But I wanted us to self-examine. I want us to be right. I have had, for the last day and a half, the most memorable time. I have never had such joy, received such blessings as I have in the last day and a half I have with your pastors. And so I wanted to be in fellowship, in communion with you. And I wanted to be pure. I wanted to be without compromise. I wanted to be whole. I wanted to be pleasing unto the Lord. And so if you have your communion cup and open up for the, the bread, and remember, as Jesus said, and not that I'm claiming to be him, but he said, I desire to have this, this, this supper with you. I desire to have, I want to break bread with you. I want, I want to be in fellowship. I want to be in communion with you. And, re, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. And I see it. Jesus is the bread of life. Bread represented sustenance, provision, the source of nourishment. Jesus should be our source of nourishment. So remember who he is. He is our source. He is our Take the bread, please. And if you take the juice, this reminds me of what he did. He shed his blood for us. He poured out his blood for us. This is what he did. The bread is who he is, and the blood is what he did. And because of the shed of his blood, we have our sins forgiven. And we are in right standing with him. And we can sit at his table. But if you are not, if you are not right with him, you cannot sit at his table. You'll leave just like Judas had to leave. Let's take the juice. Heavenly Father, we love you. I thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for giving your son's life for us. Thank you for the, the grace of forgiveness. For Father, there is nothing that I can do, my God, to, to receive salvation, but only through the name of Jesus. For there is no greater name under heaven by which a man shall be saved. And I give thanks for that glorious, marvelous name, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you have 
allowed me to, to come here and, and to share your word, your living word, that is as meaningful and powerful as the day it was written. And I ask my God, and I ask you right now, Lord, that you would bless everyone within the hearing of my voice. That your Father, that, that they would be in right standing with you. That they would present their lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. But let us worship you, my God, with our life, with how we live and what we do and how we serve. Let it be for your glory, my God. Not for me. I deserve death. But because of you, I have life. We love you. I thank you, Father. I thank you. In Jesus' name. And all the saints said, amen. Give the Lord a big round of applause. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 